When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Master Mindset Podcast, a spot to get your mind right where, you know, it's all about not just the outer game, but it's about winning the inner game. You can't just train your body. You can't just train your craft. You got to train your mind. And we have a great guest today, Keith Bennett, who is a golf guru, coach. I mean, talk about a great swing. And if anybody has Steph Curry follow them, I want to learn about how'd you get Steph Curry to follow you on Instagram? <laughs> but uh, Keith, what's, what's up, man? Hey, Colin, how's it going, man? Great to join you. And yeah, I don't know where Steph found me, um, but somebody brought that to my attention. They were like, yo, you got to check it out. I think Steph Curry follows you. I was like, you're joking. There's no way. And sure enough, I go and check it out. And he's like following me and like five other golf guys. So I was like, holy smokes, that's insane. And and, and Steph is a legit golfer. Um, but what I love about your feed on Instagram is yeah. you, you, provide, you provide a lot of value. You know, some people are just posting stuff, you know, showing off, you know, their house or showing off different things. And but you're giving people tangible tips and tools. So if you want to get your golf game on a higher level, you do coaching as well. Um, your website, you know, do adults, youth, you, you even do like a, a round with them, which is cool. Um, but I think about in the yep. space and business, when you have your own business, it's all about bringing value. So you're bringing value to the world, which is great. But we're going to kind of dig deeper. Really not. I mean, we're talking about golf, but we're talking about the, the inner game of golf and golf is yeah. such a mental sport if you think of all the sports it probably is a sport to where there's so much time in between each action as part of that sport and really it's you versus you you versus the course really yes so maybe maybe talk to us how you got into golf maybe some background who you were as a, a kid yeah exactly um Interesting enough, my journey into golf was kind of a little bit roundabout. It wasn't really streamlined in. I actually didn't play golf growing up, so I didn't play middle school or high school golf. Uh, I grew up in Vermont, and winter sports and you know snowboarding was actually my first passion. So I got really into snowboarding, and I got pretty good at a young age. So actually, when I was 16, 17, um, my parents, I was uh, fortunate enough that they actually let me do online schooling. And so I moved to Mammoth Lakes, California um for the entire winter um in vermont the weather can be a little dicey in the winter you don't really get predictable weather patterns and snow patterns but out there in california you know it's going to be really good pretty much year round um and that was kind of where the snowboarding scene was at the time and you know if you looked at all the movies and the videos and the magazine articles like it was kind of a little mecca a little hot spot for um, up-and-coming snowboarders because the weather was so perfect and the the jumps and the, and the parks that they were building out there were next level so I actually moved out to there and, and pursued snowboarding, um, got to a pretty high level as a, as a, as a junior, as an amateur snowboarder, um, semi-professional. Um, so that was actually my first passion, my first love. Um, and I would play soccer and tennis in the summers. I, you know, golf just in Vermont, for some reason, wasn't a thing that we were doing. Um, my older brother, David is a golf professional still is, and he's actually a general manager at a country club in Vermont. The country club of Vermont is actually what it's called. Um, and then when I was about 18, 19, for some reason, something clicked and I started to play a little bit more 
And I think I fell in love with sort of like the solitude, um, the individual nature of the game where I could just go and kind of be my, by myself. You know, I'm a little, um, you know, a little introvert, introverted by nature. So like, I don't mind being by myself for four or five hours at a time. It's actually kind of somewhere where I feel like I recharge my batteries and, and that kind of solo nature of the sport really drew me in and, and snowboarding was kind of winding down, um, kind of figured at some point you realize, you know, snowboarding's not, not the most secure profession. There's not a ton of money in there and, you know, your body takes a pretty big beating. And so at that time I was kind of looking into going to school and my parents had brought to the, my attention, this professional golf management program that 17 or I think a little less now of the schools in the country offer. Um, and so I looked into there and I ended up going to New Mexico state university, um, and just kept playing golf, kept getting better. It just was something that was like a passion project. Um, and I just got, I just put my nose down to the, you know, I just kind of put my head down and, and, and grounded out and got better. And, and, you know, I don't know, for some reason, uh, it just grabbed a hold of me and, and, and was able to get good enough to walk onto the, the golf team there. So I played division one golf for a couple of seasons and, and then uh, moved up to Seattle. And, and I've been here for six years now as a, as a PGA professional. So, so what is it about, about Seattle though? How come you moved here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my wife like, is if you're from a golfer, Seattle. Okay. If you want to golf, um, let's think uh, October till April, not the right. best weather. Not the best. No, exactly. It's it's mild. You know, you can play. You just got to be a little tough skinned. Okay. Now, now kind of tell me, you know, what you're doing now. Give us some insights on how you got into coaching. Yeah. You know, again, kind of some right place at the right time. Um, you know, I met this guy by the name of Henry Statina at New Mexico State, who was the player development coordinator for the golf management program there. And we just formed a really tight relationship, um, kind of a mentor figure slash like just really good friend who I kind of, we would get together for lunch pretty much daily and, and just talk about stuff, get a little, you know, get deep into the game and into coaching and, and talking about, you know, teaching and philosophies and that sort of thing. Um, and he introduced me to this gentleman named Ed LeBeau, who um, was really instrumental in helping me to understand how to give a golf lesson. Uh, how to actually coach a person. And, and what I thought was cool that was he, he did very differently than other people is he talked about communication. He talked about making sure your wording is perfect. You know, if you're going to say something, make sure that there's going to be nothing left to chance. That person's going to know what you're talking about. So your communication is clear and concise and not confusing and you're not trying to sound smarter than the individual. You're, you know, you're making, you're, you're boiling, boiling it down to just the roots of what you're trying to get at. So everybody can understand you um, and the psychology behind that and, and just how you talk to humans, you know, not just teaching golf, but like you're dealing with another human in front of you and that person might communicate a little different or understand things differently than someone else. So that's kind of more of like the coaching aspect of it than just like teaching the golf swing, you know, the golf swing, how you move the club around your body, you can cover that in about 30 minutes tops. I mean, there's really, if we, you know, there's not that much to it, but I think what he did, which was, was really cool that I had never heard about or, or was introduced to that I latched onto was just the human nature of the business and, and the coaching element of it and getting to know the person. Right. And so asking the right questions, right. Actually, asking enough questions until you find out why that person is there for a lesson, like the motivation behind it. You know, I get, if I, if I ask enough questions, I might find out, Oh, you know, that person's just here 
uh, because they don't want to embarrass themselves in front of their boss that they're going to go play with next week, you know? And Mm -hmm. so that's a, you know, that's an external motivator, right? So, you know, they're, they're attaching their success to something that's out of their control. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's not an internal motivation, which is where you're actually going to find the most, you know, the source of gratitude and enjoyment. So we got to actually work with that person to like flip flop those motivations. So like, you know, okay, you know, they're probably not even going to be really concerned about what you're doing on the golf course. They're going to be more concerned about impressing you. So we need to not worry about them and find out how you're going to get some internal satisfaction out of this, because that's, what's really going to keep you motivated to keep coming back. You know, those little internal wins, not, you know, the whim of someone else telling you, you know, or you, what you think they thought of you. There's a few things there. I love you talked about like coaching and leadership. It's about knowing the person and getting, yeah. you know, practice and clarity on how to, how do you, you know, get honesty and understand their why and just kind of talk through how do you teach something and make it super simple. Yeah. But, and let it, it's less talking at, but more or less talking with and uh, yes. creating the examples and the stories to have it connect. The swing is just, you said 30 minutes, the rest is all this other stuff. But I love yeah. kind of what you touched on. And I think about golf, you know, the, the younger me when I was playing, like, why do we care what people think so much about our, our, our swing and our, sure. and our For score? Sure. It's just, it's yeah. just a game. Like, wait, do you think, how well you hit a golf ball determines your worth to the world. Right. Where is, where is that coming from? Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy too. Um, And I think there's a lot of things built into the game that actually make that a priority over other things like the whole handicap idea, right? It's like when you tell somebody on the first tee, if you're just meeting them, once the first, what's one of the first questions you, you know, you get asked, what's your handicap. Right. And it's almost like a label, right? Oh, I'm a 15. Well, it's like the guy can be like, Oh, you're a 15. I kind of know what to expect from you. Right. Like I kind of know who you are as a person or someone says, I'm a scratch golfer. It's like, Oh, you know, you must be like a cool person who knows more than everybody else, or you must have all the secrets or, you know, they kind of hold you in this higher regard, but it's like, you could be a crappy person to be a scratch handicap. Right. And that fifth, that 15 handicap, could be a really nice guy. I'd rather go play golf with the 15 handicap woman and enjoy my time with. Right. I mean, so it's, it's just, there's some things built into this game that I think it make it really hard for people to actually explore themselves and to get better. You know? So if you show up and you're like, well, I always shoot 80. Well, you're basically just putting a little limit on yourself for the day. So if you start out with like three birdies in a row, you're going to have a panic attack because that's not what you normally do. And your brain freaks out because you're out of your comfort zone. But if you were just to go play golf and say, hey, I'm going to play every hole for what it is, and I'm just going to take the round as it comes, and I'm going to be present, and I'm going to enjoy the challenges that the round of golf throws at me, then you can actually be open and, and, and learn something as well. But then you're not like having this mental breakdown because you're outside of your comfort zone, and then your brain will kind of bring you back to the mean and, and sort of throw a few bogeys at you just so you feel a little bit more comfortable. And then you kind of take a deep breath and you go, I know where I am now. I'm kind of playing the normal round of golf that I play. So I think there's a, there's some things in this game that, that almost like hinder us from getting better until we smash through those little mental barriers. And that's true. And and we got T money, the the producer on the ones and twos, Puyallup high school golf uh, captain, let's go T money. And we've been talking about Tanner, your golf game for the last few years. And I've tried to give Tanner some tips. Um, And one thing that you made a post about this recently on, on your Instagram about, what if we look at a round of golf as not a round, but like, it's just a long stretch of a bunch of holes together. It's not like one round. It's a bunch right. of rounds or it's a bunch of, let's just focus on one swing, one hole at a time. Yes. And 
each swing has a life of its own. So don't, you know, I'm, I'm an 80 or I'm a 75 or I'm a 95 or whatever your handicap. Let's just look at one swing at a time, one, one hole at a time. Yeah. And instead of getting your worth in the outcome, but like gratitude, being present, just in, enjoying the moment. T-Money, how, how are things going with your golf game? We have a golf coach right here that can, that can help you out. What, what type of questions do you have? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think one big thing is like, how do you, how do you respond when you go out to play and just start out like first couple holes are, are terrible? How do you get over that? Because like one thing I've seen in my game is I'll go out and I, I'll even like bogey the first hole and it's like, oh, okay, that's yep. fine. But then it'll just get going on a string of bogeys and it's like, okay, what what's happening? And just dig myself into a hole mentally. So how do you like bounce back how do you flush that bad start and start making pars or whatever it is yeah that's an awesome question because that's something that i come across a lot and i dealt with the same thing um learning to play competitive golf or learning to play golf right um you know and something my brother instilled in me uh and he and and my brother david i can give credit to him for getting me into kind of the mental game of golf early on which i try to get everybody else to do the same thing because I think you get a little bit more familiar with that sort of stuff as you get better at your technical aspects of it. And then they just go hand in hand. Um, But, and I posted something that Rory said recently too, that I think matches that it's like, you can't let your round of golf dictate your attitude. You have to let your attitude dictate your round of golf. Um, and that's something that I really struggle with. And I totally understand where you're coming from. It's like, we start out bogey bogey and all of a sudden, like the plan we put together goes out the window and we panic a little bit and, and we try to press and we try to make birdies because we feel like we got to get those bogeys back. And it's almost like you're being reactive to the round of golf instead of proactive to the round of golf, right? You're letting the first few holes basically tell you how you're going to feel for the rest of the round. So if you start off birdie, birdie, everything's good. You go through your pre-shot routine, you're committed, you settle down, right? And you go start off bogey, bogey. It's like a little bit of a shock to the system and you speed up a little bit and your mind races. Um, And so it takes some, you know, training the mind to react, right? And, And to the situation is just as important as training, you know, your backswing, right? I mean, it's just a, you're training the same things. It's not like these things are codependent or, you know, you gotta, or, or, you know, they don't work together. It's like, they, they are separate things. You got to train your mind to react. And one of the things that I think really helps with that Tanner is, um, coming up with a rock solid game plan for each golf hole that you're going to play. Um, Basically, if you thought about it, you know, if a general goes to war, right, if he's got if he's got a war plan, he's going to put that plan together before the first shot gets fired right before his friend takes a bullet, he's going to put a game plan because if he's reacting off emotion out there on the battlefield, then he's going to make some rash decisions. So basically, what you're telling me is that sounds like if you go bogey, 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 you start to make emotional decisions, right, which is basically like I got to make birdie, right? Well, if you had a game plan for each hole, you would say, okay, I didn't really execute on the game plan that I had for the first three holes, but let me get back to executing on my game plan for the next, you know, 15 holes. And let me see how that plays out. And that way you're staying present. You're staying in the moment and you're not reacting to what already happened to you early in the round. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. That's, that's super good. Um, 
I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense actually. And I like the idea of the game plan um, just to kind of set your mind to it. Um, yeah. Another thing for me that Colin and I have kind of talked about is going out there and not worrying about the score. Mm-hmm. And like, I've tried that, but it's like, especially because I play competitive golf, it's hard to like, how would you suggest kind of getting over that? Or like, what's another goal to set? Like, yeah, if it's greens hit, if it's pars made, whatever it is. Yeah, that's a great question, too. And I've been down the same road. Um, and and luckily, I was turned on to uh, this book by Dr. Michael Larden, who is a psychologist, sports psychologist as well, um, just performance coach. And he talks about something called the mental scorecard. Um, and this is a great way to kind of bypass the actual scorecard of the hole, but you can still keep track of a score. So you can still be competitive with yourself. You're just not being competitive with the number on the scorecard. And so basically what it is, is it's kind of a one through five scale. Um, and you kind of say, okay, a five for me is if I go through my pre-shot routine perfectly, you know, I am committed, decisive, and I swung my club holding the target in my mind without any distraction. That would be a five, right? A one would be like, it's a total mess. Um, you know, I was distracted the whole time I was rushing. I knew I was distracted, but I hit the shot anyway, that would be like a one. And so you would grade every shot gets a grade, right? And so you would grade each shot during the round of golf. And then obviously at the end, you'd go back through in your head and put the actual score down because you got to turn that in. But the mental scorecard kind of takes you out of the score that you're making and puts you into, okay, let me do what, let me take care of what I can control, which is my pre-shot routine and my mental focus. And if I can do that, then I've done all I can as a golfer for the day. And I got to be happy with whatever the actual score ends up being. So that's one way that I've done that. And, um, something that I've done very regularly in tournaments because yeah, there is a lot of pressure to quote, put a number on a scorecard, But if we know, if we were to back that up, right, if we were going to kind of work the problem backwards, all right, so we want to shoot a good score, right, whatever that ends up being. So if we want to shoot a good score, that means we need to hit good shots. So if we want to hit good shots, we need to actually focus better. So if you kind of bring it back down to the surface level, what creates the good shots? It's the focus. And what creates the good scores? It's the shots. So at the root of it all is the focus. And that's something that's in your control. So, you know, continuing to just learn how to control what you can control, not anything else. And Keith, are you putting that on your, on your card? Yes, I am. Yep. So I keep this mental scorecard kind of below where I would put the normal scores. That's awesome. So I'm, I wrote it down. So, you know, plan, intent, focus, present, you know, did I commit to the routine? Did I have a plan and intent for the swing? Was I locked in on, you know, what I need to focus on? Uh, was yep. I present? And I usually teach golfers have one swing thought and just focus on that, that the one swing thought in the moment instead of work, focusing on all these other things. Um, yep. So Dr. Uh, Larden, is it, how do you spell his last name? L-A-R-D-O-N. Okay. Um, and, and, what, and what's the name of the book? Uh, oh, I, I'm sure we like can the, go to Amazon might and even be like it. The, might even be like the mental game of golf. It might be something simple. It. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about the mind and the body, how, how these are connected. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We mentioned that pre-show. And maybe give us just some insights out there on the course. Because I really believe that, you know, we're, we're talking golf, but this is life. Yep. 
you're a coach, a speaker, presenter, a teacher, you work, you're in sales, you know, if you're an athlete in other sports, like all this stuff plays together. But um, I know you're passionate about the, 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 this, the mental side of, of golf and how, you know, it's kind of like, does the body influence the mind? Does the mind in, influence the body? Maybe give us some, yeah. some, some knowledge there. Yeah, you know, I am passionate about this. And this is something that I learned from, you know, Ed LeBeau and, and my, other, my other mentor, Henry, um, is, you know, there really isn't a point where the mind, end and the, body, the mind ends and the body begins. Like they're so intertwined and we don't even realize it. Um, you know, basically all day long, our mind is forming pictures and our body is responding to those pictures, right? So you can imagine if you were to draw your signature on a piece of paper, your mind is kind of seeing that signature play out as your hand is just responding to your mental picture you have in your mind, right? So it's nothing where you have to, you know, feel your fingers moving or feel your wrists bending to create your signature. You don't do any of that. Your, bo your body completely responds to the mental picture of your signature on the page, right? So if you, if you can imagine you tried the opposite and you tried to just focus on your hand movements, the signature would get really sketchy looking and it wouldn't be as fluid as it is right now. And that's what makes a signature beautiful, right? It's that kind of that, that fluidity and almost that looseness to it. There's some freedom to it. And so that's the same thing in golf, right? So if we have a really crisp mental intention of where that target is out in space, you know, where it is from us spatially distance and direction. And we have a really crisp mind of what the, what the golf club looks like when it swings in the direction of the target. If you can hold those two intentions for the entire swing, your body will actually respond to that mental picture that you've created in your mind. And so what that does is that really frees you up to forget about what happens in the backswing, to forget about what happens in the forward swing. And it lets your subconscious brain sort all of that out. Because if you try to get in the way of that subconscious brain, then your movements become really stiff, really rigid. And what we know is there's actually plenty of research done on external focus of attention versus internal focus of attention. And internal focus of attention is right, like how, when does my right elbow bend? Or how much does my wrist go into flexion? Or how much, when do I, you know, when do I do X, Y, or Z, right? You can name it. Um, and what we know is when you focus on one muscle, then other muscles get tighter to contract so that muscle can move. And it actually makes you tighter, makes you slower. Um, so if you focus on an external focus of attention, anything outside of your body, like the golf club, the target, or the golf ball, or the club head, then your subconscious brain actually moves your body and you stay loose, you stay free and you stay actually faster. Um, and Dr. Wolf at UNLV is actually probably the leading expert in external focus of attention um, or one of them. And I read her and I got her textbook and it's just fascinating stuff. Um, she's done so many, um, so much research and, and data collecting on just how effective external focus of attention and visualization is that it's, it's, so proven at this point that students learn faster and they retain information longer when you focus on an external focus of attention, which is, like I said, visualizing what you want the club to do and then letting your body respond to that. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I wrote down the body responds to the mental picture you see. Yes. Your body is your subconscious mind. Yes. So focus on what you want, not what you don't want. Set that intention. But what's helped me, you know, I don't golf a ton, but as I've golfed a few times this summer, for me that I just focus on breath. I'm about to mm -hmm. take my, my backswing. I yeah. literally just take an inhale, 
take a slow exhale and that's all I focus on just let you know the club I, I, I picture just the club hitting just a flush ball and like you said if you're overanalyzing each like angle and yeah. all that stuff like you're lost and I think of like watch a predator in the wild hunt game they're not yeah. overanalyzing that pounce angle they're no. just naturally flowing through it so Reacting. um yep. yeah and I think what I if I work with a few golfers not a ton but I kind of say why don't you you know each swing take each each swing three times you know but before how you want it to feel hit it and then the, after after you hit it hit it again how you yeah. want you know was that the right way or would you tweak one little thing yeah, um, I like that. just getting just getting more reps and mentally. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it's almost like a little two second meditation, right? Like you kind of mentioned mm -hmm. that breath, you know, you know, that's a meditative uh, practice, right? And so when you're just holding the intention or holding the mental picture of the club pointing at the target in your mind, it's basically a little meditation practice. Can I hold this little picture in my mind uninterrupted? for the duration of the golf swing, which takes about two to two and a half seconds, right? So it's not like it's super challenging, but if you actually do that and experiment with it, you'll find out just how often little distractors try to pop in, like trying to make the perfect backswing or when does the club, you know, do X, Y, or Z, or when does my right elbow? You'll, you'll realize how distracted you've actually been playing golf when you just try to channel it into a singular thought or a singular mental picture. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. So how do you, when you coaching your the people you work with on the mental game, cause you're, you're yeah. coaching here's, you know, swing, but then you obviously give them guidance on the mental game. What are like yeah. maybe one, two or three things that, you know, if I want to use some of these things on the mental game, yeah. you know, maybe g give me like your like top three. Yeah. And, and, and one of the, probably the top ones, and I learned this from Ed LeBeau and, and instead of treating each golf ball, when you go to the range as physical practice, treat each golf ball as mental practice. And so what we were just talking about is basically the mind will dictate the body, the mind moves the body. So whatever you picture the, you know, the golf club doing or where the target is or swinging to the club, the body's going to respond to that. Now that's going to be unique to in each individual, right? So I don't ever tell somebody, here's what it should feel like, or, you know, this is what you need to do because I've never lived in your body. You might come up with some amazing way to do it for you that I would never even conceive of because I've never been in your shoes. I can only tell you what I feel, which might not be relevant to you. But what I do know is that if you hold the mental picture of the club going to the target in your mind, that your, your, your body's going to sort it out the best way that you can based on your limitations or your, you know, your arm length or, you know, your flexibility, et cetera. And so one of the things that I really coach people to do is, again, coming back to that one through five scale of, um, of mental focus. So in your practice swing, when there's no golf ball there, everyone makes a great practice swing. Everyone's, you know, trying to make their practice swing their actual swing, right? And it's really actually easy for people to swing the golf club when there's no ball on the ground because it's not distracting. I think the golf ball is probably the number one distractor in the game of golf. You know, everyone wants to hit at it. Everyone wants to, everyone wants to make it go up in the air, you know. But if you do a practice swing, holding the intention in your mind of swinging the club to a target, that's kind of like your baseline. So if you can do that uninterrupted and do that as at like a five on the one through five scale of, of complete mental focus, then the next 20 balls or 30 balls you hit, your goal is actually to recreate that number five score that you just collected without a ball. So you kind of say, okay, when there's a ball there, 
Maybe I'm only hitting threes on my mental focus. Maybe I lose the image of the target when I start my downswing and I just kind of freak out at the golf ball. Let me explore that a little bit. Let me see if I can hold the, the image a little longer into the downswing. Maybe I lose it at the golf ball, but I'm still, I'm getting better at it. So practicing holding the intent for the entire swing and then rating yourself. So again, you're giving yourself a score, not on where the ball goes, because that's not your control, but how well that you can swing the club to the target. Now, eventually that golf ball will start going to your target more. But again, if you can make your focus crisp, then the ball will go where you want more often. So that's like my, that's what I coach probably the most. Um, and something that most people, as I'm sure you are probably can guess, have ne you know, never heard it talked about that way. And going to the range. And this is more of a, a mental practice than yes, anything else. Now, now exactly. let's talk about um, how many times have you heard parents or uh, adult clients you, you've, you've worked with. And I hear this from parents all the time. I even hear this like in business and sales. Hey, I practice. I'm, I'm amazing. I yeah. practice rounds and I, at the range, I did so good at the range. I did so good at the practice round. And then it came time to the match and competition. I was horrible. Yeah. So how do we take practice and apply it to game? And I look at the word clutch and clutch is doing what you normally can do when it matters most. That mm -hmm. five foot birdie putt at Augusta, Georgia on Sunday is the same five foot birdie putt at your home course but Correct. you're adding extra pressure on the environment. It's on television, but it's really the same stroke. Yeah. Um, so how do we take these practice rounds, these are the mental reps we're doing physically. And um, I'm sure that it's probably, you've, you've heard that before, correct? As oh, of said, course. Yeah. So any, any advice there? Yeah. It's kind of what you just mentioned, right? It's almost like we, we control how much meaning we attach to each thing. And so when they're on the range, there's not a lot of meaning attached to it. It's just kind of hitting out into the vast expanse of the range. And you've got a, a, a small bucket of balls there and you can just hit another one if you didn't like it. Um, and so, you know, unfortunately for a lot of golfers, the practice environment is so dissimilar to the actual environment that we play a round of golf on that it's, it's a little bit challenging. And I almost don't blame a lot of golfers for how dissimilar a ranges compared to the golf course. I mean, you think about it. It's just this little mat that you're hitting off of and there's a heater over your head and, and you know, it, there's no wind and, and you can take your time and there's no group behind you pushing you. There's no, you know, there's no water out there. There's no nothing. And then you get out on the course and it's like, Holy smokes, look at this is this and just visually, it couldn't be any different. Um, and so again, it kind of comes back to how much meaning are you attaching? If you're going to go play a tournament, how much meaning are you attaching to this shot? And that's a story you've made up in your mind, right? You know, if I make this five footer, I'll shoot X score. And then so-and-so will think highly of me because I'm a good golfer. And then I'll think highly of myself because they'll think highly of me. And these are all external focuses and external feedback and external, you know, uh, sources of attention. Whereas in reality, you've just made that, that whole scenario up. And in a week's time, no one's going to remember the score you shot, you know, and, and it doesn't really matter. So if you can find a way to just treat it as the same thing that you've been practicing, now that takes practice. And I talked about this with my friend Henry the other day. It's like, if we don't practice playing tournaments, it'll always seem so different to us. 
if you want to get good at playing tournaments, you got to play a lot of tournaments. I mean, there's just no way around it. If you want to get good at playing golf, you got to play a ridiculous amount of rounds of golf. So your average person spends way more time hitting balls on a range than they'll ever step onto a golf course. And some of that is time constraints with your daily life. And I get that, but you also have to kind of set your expectations and say, I don't play a lot of golf. And this is really different to hitting balls on the range. So there should be a little bit of a different expectation there. You know, if you're a tournament player and you play enough tournament rounds, suddenly that five footer for, you know, for birdie to shoot your lowest round, it's not as scary because you've been in those tournament situations enough times to where it seems a little bit more familiar. So, I mean, it just reps and reps and reps more reps than people ever think that they need. I mean, I'm sure you know that, right? Oh yeah. It's all about repetition. Repetition is the mother mastery. And Keith, what I do is I I play a game when I'm practicing, I say, I'm going to, I get one shot. I'm going to try to simulate you yeah. know, the, the distance and, you know, if I'm on the putting green, I'm going to simulate, okay, I'm, I'm not going to shoot this shot three times. I get one shot at this just to kind of simulate what's going to feel like and visualize, Absolutely. you know, just your breath and your, your routine. But um, I want to, I want to kind of switch gears now. And I really think that, you know, uh, if you were to simulate life, I think golf is a, a great sport to really learn about life. And I think, you know, I have, we have five kids, four daughters, and a great way for me to get to know, you know, if, a, if someone's dating my my daughter when they're older, <laughs> I want I want to go golf with you, yeah. Because I I want to look at your like character. Are you cheating on the course? Are you right. you know being <laughs> honest with your score and moving the ball, or can you have a simple conversation one on one? How's your right. energy? Um, you know, failure. How do you deal with failure? Because you fail a lot in golf, right? So I just think like what a phenomenal you know um, model of looking at what life is. But maybe what what have you learned about life? How are you taking know your craft your passion you know working with people and i guess what have you learned about life through this amazing uh, sport yeah i think it comes back to just that idea of being present um you know not rushing ahead not trying to predict the future um not trying to change the past um i think golf is probably the number one sport where that could not be more important to your performance on the golf course, but it's really a life lesson in itself. Um, You know, I, I can't go play the next shot. So if I'm standing on this tee box and I know if I hit it right, it's in the water and I'm fearful of that the whole time, I'm basically just swinging this shot afraid of the future, which is not going to really help me play the shot at hand. Um, And so that lesson in itself it's just kind of helped me to be a little bit more present, a little bit more understanding. Like it's helped me to explore more just meditation topics and kind of like stoicism, you know, like Ryan holiday and, and, you know, books like that on, on, you know, the daily stoic and, and things about like, well, I don't even know if this outcome is good or bad yet. Like I'm just creating these stories in my mind as I walk to my ball in the rough, you know, I'm already, thinking I'm going to make bogey because I hit it in the woods, but, and then I get up there and there's a perfect little gap in the trees right to the green, but I just beat myself up for four minutes walking to my ball. And then I get up there and I'm like, Oh, this isn't even that bad. And so like that right there is a perfect little metaphor for life. Like you just don't know if a situation is good or bad until it plays itself out. So if you, you know, give it too much weight or freak out about it, then all you're doing is you're living in the future, right? And that's where, you know, anxiety lives is in the future and, you know, depression lives in the past. And so, you know, that right there alone is a really good kind of thing that that's helped me and just in my daily life in general. 
Yeah, being being neutral, being being present. You know, every every outcome is neutral. It's what you attach a story to, positive or negative. So just being Correct. present. And I think that with the the training of mindfulness, I'm like, T money, are you getting your reps in mentally mindfulness? Right. Are you recognizing thoughts coming and going? Oh, that thought's interesting. I'm gonna gently come back to, to my breath and get centered. Yeah. Um, as we wrap up, T money, man, what what'd you learn today? Maybe I, I want to know what what's one or two things you're gonna do from this time. You know, or give us what, what, what your game plan yeah, is. I really like the mental scorecard idea. I think I think that's huge, especially for me, um, just to analyze after each hole, not about the score, but how you played it. I don't remember who told me. Oh, so I'm a caddy out at Chambers, and I was playing nice. with this guy. This guy I was caddying for, he was like, yeah, one of my old swing coaches told me, I mean, he was a good player, and he was like, as long as you like, I would hit a bad shot and he would say, did you try on that one? And if, if the answer is yes, then okay, there's nothing you can do about it. Something else happened. And so kind of just analyzing where you locked in, did you try, like, were you focused with that mental scorecard? Just trying to get that five every time. I like that. Um, and I also like the, like just having a game plan for each hole. So before you hit your tee shot, just sitting there, figuring out your game plan, what you're going to do, and then it's just a matter of executing it. Exactly. And this is just my this is just my thoughts, uh, Keith. Um, as I'm, you know, having people listen to you, and this is this applies to your craft, your job. You know, as a parent, you know, you are not your score. No, so true. Your score, your score doesn't define you. No. So if that if that's the case, I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be present. I'm going to show courage. I'm going to choose gratitude. And I like to think about real pressure versus fake pressure. Mm-hmm. Is this swing and score and shot? Let's look at that. Is this real pressure or is this fake pressure? Right. Like, is there a sniper up on the hill if you don't get a birdie? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, right. so why you would you eat tonight if you don't hit the green? <laughs> yeah. So, so why would you pay a lot of money for the clubs right. and the gear and the hole and just be miserable and throw your clubs and break your clubs and, and yep. swear and be frustrated, man, we are so blessed to even hold a club. For sure. If, if, if you're playing golf, there's a few things you have. You have your sight probably. Yep. You can probably walk or for maybe sure. on a cart, but you can hold a club. Right. So if that's the case, man, I'm just going to be, I'm going to choose gratitude. I'm going to choose being in the present moment. I'm going to choose, you know, self empathy and grace, just like how you would have empathy and grace for other people yeah. and just enjoy the moment, real pressure versus fake pressure, man. If you get to play around golf, it's a gift. That's just kind of my last thought. And uh, any, any final thoughts, man, Keith, before you let us know where we, where we can find you. Yeah, man, just to wrap up on that. I think that's cool. You know, something my brother told me early on is like, Hey, you lost a ball. The world didn't end. You got another one in your bag. You know, it's just like, you know, all these things, like you said, they're all created in the mind. But if you live in gratitude on the golf course and you're just thankful to be out there and you're enjoying the challenges of the day, um, you know, that's actually when you're going to perform your best. You know, a lot of people think, Oh, when my swing's perfect, I'll be happy, but I got news for you. It doesn't work that way. When you're happy, your swing will be better and you'll be more open and you'll be more present. Uh, to what's happening on the golf course. And so you'll perform your best. Uh, And so, you know, those things go hand in hand. Um, But no, man, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think this was a lot of fun. I really enjoy going down this, uh, you know, down the path of of mind, body and and presence and and mindfulness. And it's really cool. And, and, uh, you know, 
T-Money over there. <laughs> I hope this uh, conversation helps you and, and uh, please reach out at any point. I would love to uh, explore some of that topic and, and I'll try to find the, the name of that book for you guys okay. uh, by uh, Dr. Larden. Um, but his brother actually made it onto the PGA tour, uh, Dr. Larden's brother and, and, uh, and Larden was his coach. Uh, so that's kind of a cool story in itself. Uh, but no, I mean, uh, you know, I'm on, uh, I'm on Instagram pretty prolifically. Um, that's kind of my, my main outlet for putting stuff out there. Keith Bennett golf. Um, that's pretty much where I'm at. Haven't gotten too deep into the YouTube game. Hopefully at some point, um, just need a little bit more time, but, um, but just been given lessons a ton. So that's kind of where I'm at. Up at, the, up at the golf club at Newcastle. That's it. That's a great best, best views in, in, in the oh, state, yeah. man. Best Ridiculous. views in the state. Um, so, Hey guys, great job. If you can take a few of these tips, lessons, this is bigger than golf. So, you know, focus on what you want, not what you don't want. The brain thinks in, in pictures, not just words. So let's, let's remove don't and can't don't slice it. Don't slice it is not going to help you. Don't mess up. Don't scribble. It's not going to help you focus on what nope. you want. Have that clear intent. Um, choose gratitude, uh, stay in the present moment. And I like to say, you know, process over outcome. Absolutely. You can't control the outcome. You can't. You're not yep. defined by the outcome. Just focus on that process, guys. But you know what to do, T-Money. The body has <laughs> limits. But the mind is limitless.